0: These are the Keishi Tapes. You, man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. Hello, everybody. I'm John Hewlett, and uh, my partner is... Favaz. It's time for episode 35 of the Casey Tapes. We go back in time and we listen to interviews that either myself or Favaz did here at Casey 95, and we analyze them and talk about them and and play them back. And, and today, make fun of each other. Yes, and there's some of that going on, too. Uh, today, we, uh, we highlight a gentleman who unfortunately took his own life not all that long ago, but is certainly one of the most... Uh, uh, idolized and uh, respected vocalist in rock history, and that is Chris Cornell.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird to be doing this knowing how he died. You know, we had Ronnie James Dio last week, but he died of, of cancer. Here, Chris Cornell, you know, took his own life just a couple of years ago and yeah. um in a very
0: violent way too he hung himself
1: yeah he hung himself and yeah. uh it was just uh, it was really sad you know because he he was a great singer he had a lot of friends in the business mm-hmm. and um you know uh, the, i i've seen him at the pageant have you ever seen him live um by himself? no was i sound? don't think i ever I, did. Just saw sound, I saw sound garden at a lollapalooza in kansas city back in the day and mm-hmm. they were great but i saw him at the pageant i saw him at pops a couple times i think for this interview, he was coming in to promote his pop show, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he was still really, really good. And uh, and just, young, too, man. Yeah, he just, you know, he was one of those guys that, um, well, you'll hear it in the interview, that I, I just couldn't believe that he would come into a studio to do an interview. You yeah. know what that's like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. big stars don't do that anymore because
0: they don't have to. What time of the day was
1: this? This was during my afternoon show. Dur- so, during
0: the week, it was a yeah. weeknight uh, event? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, I was just uh, blown away. Well,
0: j- just the fact that he was at Pops. Now you know I'm not yeah. running Pops down, but it doesn't have the best of images. Uh, but I guess you know, hey, he wanted to get back down, and dirty and grungy with his uh, with his career, and, and show that he could still, I guess, you know, mix with the people or be on stage close to the people. That or but- you
1: just never know if the pageant was booked. Um, you know, Pops has a similar size, if you will, not as big. Uh, maybe he, you know, uh, you know, just said, yeah, let's do it at Pops or whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know. But either, I mean, either way. Or he it, had no
0: idea what he was getting into.
1: <laughs> it was, it was a really good show. Okay. You know, so, well, let's
0: get to the interview because it's kind of long, right? Yeah, it's, it uh, is.
1: It is, uh, longer. Yeah, so. longer. All right. Here we go. It's Casey 95, Real Rock Radio, and it's Casey's No Repeat Week. We're suspending it, though. Right now, because we have a special guest in the studio, and that is Chris Cornell. Hi, Chris. Hi.
2: So, what does that mean? Because uh, uh, I wasn't here before, so we're still not repeating anything.
1: Well, for a whole week between uh-huh. the hours of 9 a.m. and midnight, uh-huh. we don't repeat a song all week. Oh, that's cool. But it you're gonna really re- cool. but you're gonna play something of mine more than once. Well, you figure if I play, well, I'm definitely gonna play something off your new record. But if I play a Temple of the Dog tune, that might right. come up in a couple days or right. something I'm, I'm absolving myself that's cool okay of any stupidity you have the power of that, I, I can though. i I'm like that yeah, i'm on the air so yeah well chris is playing at pops tonight first of all i never thought you'd be in the studio with me man i really? I, I didn't think you did stuff like this i what? really did
2: because you don't need to well yeah but the, you know actually doing live radio is one of my favorite things to do is it really yeah i love it i always have i don't know why huh um, it's what just, do you mean you don't know why <laughs> <'Cause> it's radio <laughs> it's, it's fun it, t- you know part of it is that usually if you do a lot li- especially if you do a live radio interview you tend to like be talking to somebody that actually knows a little bit about music because if they didn't they wouldn't have that job and <laughs> no one would trust them to be like on on the national airwaves so that usually is part of it right um, and uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's just something I've always kind of
1: liked to do. But I mean, I've I've had enough. Well, actually, all I mean, I've been at Casey for eighteen years, and mm-hmm. and I can't really say that I've had just maybe like one guy that was a real real jerk. And that was Zach Wild, actually. Was Shoot. he? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-oh. Okay. So, <laughs> did you remember. go there? Yes, I did go oh, there, yeah. and he, uh, Chris, wanted to know the story behind oh, it. Okay. Yeah, and we used to be friends, and he uh-huh. just kind of changed, man, and. Uh, that was the only guy. Was he mean or something? Because I yeah. I've,
2: I don't only talked to him once ever in my life, and he seemed really nice. But he, he was very chatty.
1: Yeah, he was chatty. Uh, we were in his tour bus, and then mm-hmm. he he threatened to kill me after that. So how come? What'd you do? <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> he knew. <Yeah>. Well, he <laughs> did something. I it was at a time when Mike Piazza of the uh-huh. Mets was rumored to be gay.
2: Uh-huh. Okay. Oh no, you went okay. into some territory that
1: I did, but I I had I had been out with. His, <laughs> boy, and I've explained this so many times to, to his fans because they think that I, you know, I, I was okay. trying to be a wise ass with him. Right. When I really wasn't. I mean, I knew the guy. Uh-huh. I had been out with him the strip clubs every mm-hmm. time he came to town. We hung out and drank, mm-hmm. you know. But on that particular Ozfest, or yeah, it was the Ozfest tour. He was a little different, man. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, I- and we need to let people know that. Which, I don't know what number episode it is. but It's there. It's there. The actual interview itself with Zach Weil when he went nuts and threatened to kill Favaz is,
1: is a part just of this search, series. Just search it in the Casey tapes and yes. you'll find it. Yeah. So let's you keep know. going. <laughs> I sensed it right from the beginning. Really? And so I said, hey, man, what's that crap about your buddy Mike Piazza being engaged? You guys ever hook up? And... You know, oh, I expected yeah. him to go, hey. <laughs> he Chris he was, was like, uh it's yeah. probably not good. Yeah, you
0: probably, probably stepped in on that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, whatever, a few, you know. Yeah, He got mad. Yeah, that's a, That's you never know what, what kind of response you're going to get from that, especially from a, like a big bearded guy. That, yeah, I was really scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. That's one of those things, that's one of those issues that, you know, some guys doesn't bother them. Like, yeah. for me, for example, I have no issue with that, and I don't care about... You know, especially in the rock world, like, gay rumors, those are good things. Like, if you're in the rock world, any kind of rumor that gets started about you, whether you do any kind of drugs, have any sort of weird lifestyle, are violent, are gay, whatever it might be, it all kind of helps in the end, the you It's attention-getter. Yeah, people kind of want their rock stars to be eccentric and weird, and, I mean, look what... For example, Prince has gotten away with in his entire life. He started out by wearing, like, a woman's pantyhose and a a floor-length purple (laughs) overcoat. And then he became Prince. So you can pretty much get away with anything.
1: What's the weirdest thing that you've ever
2: heard about you that was not true? Oh. Hi. Mm. You like
1: that question? What could this
0: be?
2: Mm. Hmm. Um... I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't I don't know if it, I could say it was weird, but I, like, you just I went- was I was in Japan um, with Audio Slave. It was our first tour maybe ever, and started getting phone calls at my hotel in Japan, and nobody you know really knew where I was, and they were they were telling me that I was it was being reported that I was in a hospital, dead or dying somewhere.
1: There, Ooh, how weird is that? Is you know, crazy. I remember when uh, when Chris took his life a couple of years ago. Uh, in May, it was right before a point fest. They were supposed to play here at the amphitheater. Uh, I remember playing back parts of these things, and it was. Oh, yeah. Do you ever talk about stuff like that? It's just so weird, man. It is. it is. You know.
0: Because that's. It's funny how it came to his mind then, and then that's how he right. ended up doing it. Right. Makes you wonder if he was thinking.
2: I don't, I don't know. I don't know. In right. the city. And so I was just answering calls and saying, and trying to sound healthy so people would, would go, No, I'm fine. <laughs> So you're not in the hospital, no, because you you'll notice that you called the hotel and I answered and the you phone. You answered the phone, yeah, and everything's fine. <laughs> um, other than that, I you know I sort of have always had kind of a normal life in terms of of you know I do not spend a lot of time running around in front of cameras and um, what
1: about crawling around hotel room <clears throat> halls? You know, or, or um, c- c- I've had moments
0: rooms.
2: like that. I've yeah. had a few moments that you know. Were you
0: referring anything specifically when no, you said that? No,
2: oh. just getting crazy. Oh. Just getting the, crazy. The, but th- those were usually brief, you know, <laughs> nothing that got caught on camera, as far as I know. Did you abuse your voice
1: much? Because, I mean, you know, I've, I've never really heard that you were a big drinker or smoker or, or um, whatever. I would okay. think that, they, that gift, can you can you for- right there? That, that was a stupid statement on my part because he was a big drinker. Mm-hmm. That, that was his deal he uh, yep. went through rehab and, and and the whole bit so so you just kind of screwed up there
0: you what you, you felt like you had to uh, soften your upcoming question I regarding know, that or
1: no I don't even know if I realized at the time this was 2009 oh. um, 10 years ago I, I don't know that I knew he he had an issue with it mm-hmm. I don't know
2: While well, there were yeah I was a big drinker and smoker and that and um, it didn't didn't help any um yeah <laughs> I, I think the, like, I quit smoking. I think that kind of, that helped, you know, over a couple of years. Just How long ago was that? You're talking
0: about cigarettes, I guess? Cigarettes, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. We have
2: been able to perform, you know. For, How long it, ago did you quit smoking? It's been about four years now. Has it? Yeah. 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 It was a good time to quit. Yeah. Um, I always sort of felt like that's something you don't want to do forever. Um, like, you know, I don't want to be a 60-year-old smoker. That's probably not such a good thing. Ooh, another... <laughs>
1: Another uh, awkward moment here. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mm. mean, f- for me, I, I thought of you going. Hmm. Here, here's another guy that's going to quit. Yeah, that quit smoking. Yeah, because you know, you're anti-smoking. Right. I am too. You know. But you know, you're but, a little more vociferous than me.
0: Well, I say it's awkward because he obviously didn't get to that
1: point. Oh. Because oh. He may oh. have had no plans to get there. I don't it's just know. I creepy. think. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I don't. I don't think he was thinking along those lines. Mm. I don't.
2: And, and i'm not i i'm definitely like uh, i'm glad i did quit because i have like especially for performing like i do i do two and a half three hour sets and um I remember when I used to do that, like if Soundgarden. Did- For him
0: to sing that long with the way he would sing, Yes it's hard to imagine anybody's voice being able to hold up very long.
1: His voice changed. I mean, he yeah. didn't. He didn't sing like he used to in Soundgarden. You know, I mean, it. It, but it was still really good. Yeah. It. It. You know, he was two that good. Set, he just worked two and a
2: half hour set, and I'd walk off stage, man. I would like collapse. I bet. And now, um, it, I'm like, I feel great. You know, I could play a three-hour show, walk off. I could go back out and play another hour. I, you know, no, no, I'm I'm like Prince, only I don't have pantyhose. Oh. <laughs> Talking to Chris Stop Cornell, you're yeah. effortless.
1: So when Prince died, Chris Cornell did a Prince cover uh, of a song, and it was a huge hit for him. Really? Isn't what song was it? I don't know. Uh, it might be uh, the one uh, that uh, Sinead O'Connor did. Oh. Uh, Nothing compares to you. I think that's what he did. It wasn't a Red he, Corvette? No, <laughs> I like that song too. This <laughs> man really on stage because you know
0: you you just said we, we stepped on you there, but you said he, he when he sings he sounds effortless. It makes it look effortless, so that's okay. that's why I wanted to interject there because that's where that's where you were going before I stepped on you. All those okay. years
1: that I dug Soundgarden when I got Euphoria Morning, mm-hmm. and I listened to that record over and over, and I thought, man, you could sing anything. You could sing big band. You know, because there was, it was such a different-sounding record. And I remember you played at the American Theater in downtown uh-huh. St. Louis. It was right after the Rams won the Super Bowl. Right. And you played, and I'll never, ever... I was standing right there, like, off to the side in front there. And I'll just never forget you saying, Hey, cheer like your team just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, I just thought that was the coolest thing. I and actually then, remember like, that. Or do you really?
2: Yeah.
0: Well, you actually remember? I
1: believe them. Yeah, yeah. I kind of do.
2: But- that was... um. Yeah, that was a really fun tour because that, that was my first solo tour and I had actually an amazing time. It, it wasn't that long of a tour. Um, and and then I ended up be, being an audio slave at that and just sort of coming out of the blue. But, right. um, yeah, the, the, as a singer, but not just as a singer, as a fan of music, I've always had a, a pretty wide variety of tastes. Like, you know, the, the band that kind of made me Realized that music was important to me. As a fan of music, was the Beatles, and I was a little kid. Like all a- right, yeah, there I'd you like go, Johnny. to hear Johnny. that. Yep. Like to hear mm-hmm. that. I was very young. I was eight. Right. But um, but, you know,
1: but but did he sit on a couch with Paul McCartney? No, probably. <laughs> uh, you
2: Should ask him. No.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, but you know, not not just to him, but uh, like Stone Temple Pilots too. I hear Beatles influence in Stone Temple Pilots yeah, music some of their all stuff. the time.
2: Mm-hmm. It's everywhere, and I know a lot of people in rock bands who had that m- sort of a moment, like. Um, Kiss is a band that created a lot of those moments, or The Clash, or, you know, where where someone's a teenager and they hear something and they're like, I want to do that. Or they'll see it, and they'll be like, I want to do that. Um, you know, Bono has that story. I saw that, I, or Bowie has that story, too. You know, first I saw this band and I thought, that's what I'm do with my life. I didn't really have that, because I was so young when I got into music. I just became sort of a music fan as that's what I did. I didn't play sports. I wasn't really into school. I was into that. And, um... What ended up happening is, I think, as a singer and as a songwriter, um, as I became a guy in a band who becomes a singer, um, I had a lot of influences. And what I was initially known for, which is Soundgarden, we sort of had a focus. We knew sort of what the identity of that band was supposed to be. Um, And... I wrote and sort of sang and in, in steered into that identity. But, like, uh, Temple of the Dog is a, is a great example of it. I had a whole bunch of songs that didn't fit that and needed right. to go somewhere. Um, and Were you ever vocally trained? I'd, somewhere around the super unknown period when we were on tour, I, I started having voice problems. Um, and I was playing guitar and singing, and 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 it was you know a lot of songs that were really difficult to, uh, on the, on either you know guitar or vocals. So, you know, I, I was starting to have problems. Um, we were really loud on stage, and I was using those microphones that were like more and more resistant, where you had to like have your face literally right in front of it to to kind hear like the, anything. Kind of like the ones and we use, John. I wouldn't I would mm, do yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got to be right on top of it. That, that's right. That's right. <laughs>
0: And we're speaking with. This is Favaz interviewing Chris Cornell.
1: Yeah, uh, so. and he's talking about uh, you know. Uh, plane. Wow, can you? That's that's oh, right. your email. Can you close your email out? Can I? Yeah, remember we did oh, this oh, before. Oh, yeah, so just go ahead and. Close yeah, it. just close it out. So he's talking about Soundgarden, and the only time that I saw them, like I said, was at Lollapalooza in Kansas City, and. I kind of remember, I mean, he was, you know, he was a screamer back in the day anyway. Yeah. He had that big, you know, ballsy voice and everything. And he, he, that was the way that it was that night too. So I'm not surprised to hear that he kind of lost it a little bit mm-hmm. and he had to take some training and, you know, it was but just kind of crazy. But his training came well into his career that was yeah. already taken off.
0: So right. he didn't have any initial training to right. answer your question, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah
2: sort of this stevie wonder thing going on where my you know i'm my face would be like half a foot from the mic most of the time and i'm kind of moving around and i started to lose my voice so i solved the problem with just using an old school microphone like just an old sure 57 and that solved the problem but um but i did start taking some training then and and it has helped a lot in terms of me being able to tour as much as I do because I like to tour a lot and I like to play long shows, and that has really helped a lot. I'm surprised, that- you know, when it comes to your voice,
0: you, you do have to learn because we're in the business. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I've I had uh, an issue an an issue for a while there where uh, I'd have an acid reflux and mm-hmm. it was it was affecting my vocal cords and I had kind of a little. Uh, a sore or something on my vocal cords, you learn how to eat correctly. You learn, you know, to prop yourself up uh, at night when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. You learn uh, how important sleep is. You learn the different things can actually make your voice uh, feel better. And these guys have to learn it along the way, too, or they're not going to make it. And it, it sounds it's like more that's so exactly. exactly. For,
1: more more yeah. so for them because yeah. they're singers. Yeah. You know, we talk. Right, right. You know, I know all those things, too, and I don't do any of them. No. <laughs> the length of your shows, man? Because I, I saw you almost two and a half years ago at the pageant mm-hmm. when you played, and you played for almost three hours, it seemed like. And yeah. I was just, I, I was blown away, dude. I mean, I only, I only thought Springsteen did sh- shows like that, you know?
2: Well, um there's there's a lot of material, and there's a lot, like, even now, if it, now now that I've got um the new album Scream out, which doesn't really sound like anything else, um there's so much territory to cover musically. You do, man. And... um I just kind of feel like, you know, I want to get a, a little bit of everything in there, you know? And and there's a lot of different feels musically going on, and I just kind of want to get it all in there.
0: What did and, you end up thinking of his uh, solo music there? Because I, I, I loved Soundgarden, and then those first two Audio Slave albums I thought were really,
1: really good. Really good. And Temple of the Dog is and Temple a of the great dog, record. Yes.
0: But then after those two Audio Slaves, I kind of
1: moved on. I mentioned the one, Euphoria Morning. That was his first solo record and I absolutely loved it and it was a different style and everything. Mm. And uh, went to see him. But then after that, everything else that he put out was just okay. Yeah. You know, and, and I can't say that I went out and sought his solo albums after right. that. You know, right. it was just it was just yeah. okay stuff. So about this time of
0: the inner of his life. Things were starting to level out for him professionally. I think so, yeah.
1: And then they, you know, when he took his own life, they were going back up because Soundgarden was back together, Oh, mm-hmm.
2: you know. And also I'll go off into these acoustic moments where I, I never have a set list for that. I just start playing songs and right. if people are shutting out, out songs, I'll kind of keep going. And then sometimes <laughs> that can go on for a really long time and I don't realize it. Um, like if 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 it's a venue, like tonight there's no curfew, so I can play as long as I want. But if it's a venue that has one, yeah, baby, I can bombs. get into trouble yeah, that sure. way. All a some-
1: <laughs> no curfew. <laughs> that have been let's a- <laughs> go to the strip clubs next door. We're that not- should have
0: been a clue to him right there. I might have booked myself into a place and uh, probably should have gone somewhere
2: else. And saying, You're, this has to be your last song, and I, I'm kind of like, well, but I'm not... I'm not in last song mode yet there's a whole bunch I still have to do and that's a build to the last song there's an art to this and then there has to be like encores that kind of not thing sure I'm glad you're at Pops tonight. Have you been over there yet? No, I haven't. It's, uh,
0: I've had a lot of tang over there, okay. so I'm telling you, this well, is the place I'd to tell go. Him about it. Here we go. <laughs>
2: right, maybe tell him. Listen, I tell them. Listen, I've heard it's like a 24-hour bar that that is between two strip clubs. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, Chris.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it really is, man. You can you can walk out at two in the morning uh-huh. and go to the right or go to the left, uh-huh. and you're at a strip club. Yep. It's and I know you're married, and your and your wife is uh, your tour manager,
2: right? Well, she's my, my wife is like all, like all kinds of of she wears um, many she's hats. My mon, money manager, my tour manager, she's all she pretty much keeps me in line. So you
1: won't be going to strip clubs?
2: No, you? I won't be going okay. to strip clubs. Right. But you know, That's I was right. never much of a. Of, I've only been to strip club twice in my life. Once was by accident because um, I was tri- sure <laughs> driving home from the Seattle airport, and there are th- there are these weird laws around the airport where. In Washington, you can't have alcohol and a strip club in the same venue, but by the airport, you can. (laughs) And I was coming back from the airport, and and the flight landed at at like 8, and I just wanted a beer, so I pulled over with my buddy. We went into this bar, and it was a strip club. We didn't know. Hey, bonus. And the other time I was at a strip club was with. (laughs) I'm I'm an asshole. (laughs) The band, The Screaming Trees. Yep, I remember that. And a friend of mine. and I, we co-produced their album, and, and another friend of mine signed them to uh, F- Epic, I think it was. And so they wanted to celebrate that they had been signed, and they were going to go make this record. And so they wanted to go to a stri- strip club. So I went to a strip club with the uh, Scrimmy Trees and had that experience. Memories. Yeah, it was a, it was um, a weird thing. I think they're kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, I you know when I I haven't been in, in a few years, but when I go, I hadn't.
1: But I used to go a lot. <laughs> hmm. So now I, I like wait, to hold say, on. Hold on. Have I ever told you the first song I ever heard at a strip club? The first time I walked in, it was, it was the PT's Sports Cabaret, right? You know, right in Soja. My first time ever. And the first song I heard was Call Me the Breeze from Leonard Skinner. <laughs> and to this day, yeah. I can't hear that song yeah. without thinking of that yeah. and walking in going, wow, this is cool. Mm. They're playing good music.
0: Last time I was in a strip club was the bachelor party my for my first wedding back yeah. in 1983. That was the
1: last time? It was the last oh time. Oh, my gosh.
0: And I was wearing those uh, big uh, uh, glasses, the uh, tor- tortoise shell yeah. frame glasses. And the lady on the stage, uh, they they pushed me up there, you know, to participate uh-huh. in something because I was the, uh, you know, guy's <laughs> right. uh, bachelor. And uh, she took my, my glasses off. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, well, what is she going to do with those? And- uh, yeah, she put those where you thought she might put them.
1: <laughs> you can say wherever you want, John. This is a podcast, so she put them uh, in her junk. Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, well, the one lens. Oh. The- so, <laughs> <laughs> and then she took it out and she put them back on my face. And I bet it and was I, kind of blurry. Yeah, things were like I was like I took t- taking the dial soap test. I uh, what uh, I couldn't see out of one eye. Anyway, wait,
1: wait, hold on. Back so to wait, you wait, 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 hold on. So who 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 was at your strip club that we would know that was in radio? Who was
0: with me that yeah, time?
1: Yeah, like, who was with you that time? I was Joe know. Mason there? Joe
0: Mason could have been because he was working there Because he that seemed
1: time. like the kind of guy that would
0: be there. He could have been there.
1: Hi, Joe. Um, love you, but <laughs> you're a you're a stripaholic. I know you are. <laughs> I don't
0: remember. Jeez, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember.
1: Okay. But, uh, yeah, anyway. All right. But, away from the tables and mm-hmm. just kind of watch you know, and take it all in before. I mean, my day. thing happened to
0: those glasses uh, that I might <laughs> want to share with people. Uh, I went, went to a live broadcast one morning, yeah. uh, smash and I to a pig farm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we went inside the, the incubation room, everything mm-hmm. just stunk to high heaven. Right. So the broadcast is over with, I go home. Okay. And I, you know, I got to get cleaned up and I put my, take my glasses off and put them on the nightstand and I go in the bathroom and I take a shower and everything. And I come back out. I go, oh, man, good thing I got that all off. I go to uh, reach for my glasses. I went to put them on. I went, oh, my God, it, the, the funk had, had gotten into those glasses. Mm-hmm. I had to throw those tortoiseshell glasses in the garbage. You, you did? Yeah. They were prescription? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That with says all, a lot. With all that history, those glasses, it uh, broke my heart to have to throw them
1: away. See, see the uh, the the long conversation that strip clubs have started between you and I, Chris, and the crew, we're still talking about yeah. it here with Chris, too. <laughs> He's being there with you know, the dollar in front of me and all that. Are, are
2: well, I think, much you know, the concept of going to a bar to pick up a girl makes perfect sense. Obviously, I did that, like, you know, from the time that I was old enough to get a fake ID. <laughs> but... But to to go to a strip club never really did make a lot of sense. Like that just seems like a, a way for trouble to get started. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> hey,
1: so uh, the new record is called Scream. Chris is playing tonight at Pops. He's got a great, great band, and um, I want to play a Temple of the Dog song first. Great, and then we'll play uh, Long Gone. But I want to play because I, I really Temple of the Dog for me one of the best records of the '90s. Man, and thank it, you. It came out at the perfect time, and I want to play Pushing Forward Back. Excellent. Here it is. It's KC95. It's KC95 Real Rock Radio Temple of the dog pushing forward back The guy that wrote that song Sang that song Is right across from me That's Chris Cornell Hi Hi So you know you're a big rock star When uh, you know People come in I have a lot of bands But everybody's been like Man can I get a picture With them Can mm-hmm. I do this Can I do that mm-hmm. You know You have a bodyguard with you because people They
2: start trouble with you no, he's, he's here to make sure I don't get into it. In <laughs> look at him. He's, he's got a smile on his He face does have say, a smile on his face. He's here to make sure I don't <laughs> cause any trouble. That's the fact. No, nobody ever has any problem with me. Chris Cornell tonight. You just got to be careful about me. That's the problem. At Pops, Yeah, right. So Temple of the Dog, man. I mean, I think
1: basically people know the story. You had some songs written about Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone.
2: Yes, yeah, I um, reached down and say hello to heaven. I kind of wrote and recorded demos at home. And um, I had some other songs going on that were in that kind of vein. And um, I, I recorded those two and had this idea that maybe I would we could do like a, a single. Because, you know, you still had vinyl singles back then. Right. Maybe a 10-inch and I could get the remaining members of Mother Love Bone to play on it. And then I got shy and decided now... You know that's stupid, and <laughs> so somehow Jeff Amon and and uh, Stone Gossard got a hold of it from Pearl Jam. They in fact said, "No, that's a great idea." And um, at at the time, I'd I'd written a few more songs. I can't remember which ones they were. Um, Your Savior and Wooden Jesus and and uh, Hunger Strike and um, and we decided we were going to put together this album. And we were going to do some of Andy's solo songs um, because Andy Wood had a lot of like really sort of ethereal, super cool solo music, and we were going to put that all together and make an album. And right away, some some of Andy's friends and family members started getting started responding really negatively to that, like as if we were going to, um, as if we were kind of trying to, in a way, um, exploit his work. And what we were really trying to do was we were all suffering because we wanted people to know who he was and hear his music right so, so
1: they had good intentions on it Yeah. right and for those that don't know andrew wood was the singer of mother love bone he took his own life he had drug issues and he knew he was friends with chris and all the guys in pearl jam really i think he was in a band i think mother love bone had a couple of the guys from pearl jam in it you know they all knew each other mm-hmm. and that's why the record came out and that's why he's talking about him now yeah
2: I think it was Jeff, now bass player Pearl Jam, who who um, he just kind of took the leadership role and said, "Screw that, we'll just we'll just make our own album," um, and and we just decided we would make an album. So I wrote a couple more songs and then co-wrote uh, three songs with um, Stone Gossard. Pushing forward back is one of them. Yeah. Um, and we had ten songs um, and we went in and we recorded all 10 and that was it. In about how long did that take? Cuz that just seems like one It of those... took 14 days all together. God man, and, that's crazy. And that includes mixed and everything. So um you know, I think it was like 2 days of tracking the songs and then and then 2 days of, of vocals and then some uh, some mixing. And we had t- we only had two rehearsals.
1: At that time Soundgarden and Pearl Jam hadn't hit it big yet had Well they?
2: Pearl Jam wasn't was just forming at that time. Um which is which is one of the reasons why the album was actually allowed to exist because uh, Matt and I were were in Soundgarden, of course, and and Mike McCready and and Stone and Jeff were not technically signed to a record deal, mm-hmm. so we made the album and it was allowed to be released on um, on A and M, hmm. which was which was Soundgarden's label, so there was no there was there was no issue. Uh, with you know guest appearances or who's what label is going to get the album like for example when when uh, audio slave became a band um the first album was on um on sony and, the, and then the second album was on Interscope and then the third album was on Sony again <laughs> and they did this back <laughs> in, which I don't really think was such that's a great weird. thing. That's,
1: that's weird to go from one yeah. label to the other for each yeah. release. It's weird. And you know, right, you know, they had just done their first tour. They never toured behind this, right? First of all, it's one of the greatest collaborations ever. Th- those guys, mm-hmm. you know, who, who would end up being in Pearl Jam and, and Soundgarden, whatever, uh, they did their first tour and it was a success and they were like, hey, we're going to do some more. And then he killed himself. You know. for no, us, I you get think different promotion thing.
2: levels from each. Well, you get too, like a, a, a group of people that are sort of invested in what it is that you do, and you meet them all, and that's your crew. and you're going out, and you're you know you're you're presenting this album together, and then the second album comes out, and it's all different people, and um, it, yeah, it didn't. I, I don't think that was the best thing f- for for us. So fortunately, with Temple of the Dog, it didn't happen, um, and they. Pearl Jam was just forming. Eddie had just kind of shown up in Seattle and was starting to work on songwriting with them, and he was at the second Temple rehearsal, which is how he ended up on um, "Hunger Struck, because I didn't—I had sort of written it as a tenth song, and it only had one verse, and then and then the chorus kicked in, and I just th- sort of thought of it as a vibe track. And he saw me singing the – I was singing the low parts on the high parts, figuring I would just – you know, it's easy to do in the studio. Right. But live it was kind of a pain. And he saw me doing that and he just kind of came up and started singing the, the low parts. And a light bulb went off in my head and I thought, why doesn't – I can – if there's two two guys, I can sing a verse – and then the band kicks in and even though he's singing the same words he's a different guy so that makes it two verses technically in my book <laughs> and if you got two verses and and some choruses that's like a whole song and and then somehow you know when that what what I th- sort of interpreted as a kind of deep album track became the one that w- people gravitated toward as a single and it was the only real single on the album we made a video for you know real cheap and and um that was it. You know, Fond we, memories. Yeah, of that whole thing. Well, that was really great. For this reason, we Can you stop it for a second, John. Yeah.
1: So that was the first time Eddie Vedder ever heard his voice recorded in song on a record. Was that song? Hunger, so Hunger Strike. Yeah. So wow. Pearl Jam was so fresh; they hadn't even laid yeah. down anything yeah. yet, and and that was that was it right there. I Wonder if he was just uh, saying,
0: "I'll just give this a try, see how it works." Kinda I don't like
1: know. Helping you know, No, they ended up being buildings. really good friends too.
2: Yeah. You know. Yeah. This happens to people, but not everybody. We we lost someone who was really a, a, like a great friend of ours and who also was someone who really inspired us all as musicians. And he died very young and very tragically. And that album really sort of gave us some way of of closure sort of, in a way closure and, and catharsis you know it, it got us we were all together doing something all the people that were the closest to him were kind of together in a room telling stories about him wow we're actually creating something um that that will keep his memory alive and that and and that has now grown and, you know a song like say hello to heaven i don't know how many times i've had guys from Hell's angels come up to me and say that they played that song at their father's funeral sure. and start crying. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, we hear that all
0: the time. Yeah, the radio yeah we get station. requests like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. and uh, so you know those those songs in tribute to Andy have, have taken on their own life and and, and also given a, a, an opportunity for for us like right now in 2009 to be talking about him. Mm-hmm. Right. And sure. and uh, and it was good for all of us individually. Mm-hmm. You know, we went on after that album. Um, Soundgarden recorded Bad Motor Finger And, and Pearl Jam recorded 10 And, and um, we Rest is history. And did. Yeah, You got that
1: right. I tell you man yeah. The f- first time I ever heard Soundgarden was from Bad Motor Finger and it was Outshined The mm-hmm. song and I was working the KC Morning Show so you had to be there too And I was in that other studio in the Annex Building uh, ready to go in I think Sue Daniel was still on the air and she mm-hmm. played that song And I walked in I was like who the fuck is That mm-hmm. I mean it was just so yeah. good And hard yeah. and that was the first time I ever heard Soundgarden yeah, that was an
0: exciting period of time for rock music, which was sure starting was, to find man. it would lose its way. It was starting to lose its way, and that whole in the Seattle grunge sound thing saved us for, for quite a period of time yep. there and refreshed the whole brand of rock music there. Exactly. And, those, and these guys, and this guy right here, was at the foreground. Big part of it, yeah.
2: A lot of stuff, and we had that one little moment where we were making an album for no reason other than to. Make the album. You know, there was no pressure on us for any reason. There were no expectations of it.
1: You ever um, talk to those guys?
2: Yeah, occasionally. Do you? Yeah. Um, Chris is playing at Pops
1: tonight, and uh, I want to get to the new record, Scream. Uh, we're going to play a song called "Long Gone" that has uh, been mixed by Howard Benson, who has done anybody that's anybody in the business as far as mixing and things like that. But this, are, are you tired of defending your record? Because um, you did it with Timbaland, who's very popular in the pop uh, hip hop circuit. You know, I've read enough yeah. articles about it. I'm not going to ask you about it. People know what it is. Are you tired of talking? Well, you know, in
2: the in the in the world of of straight up rock and roll, there are people he had who this kind uh, he had of- this
1: uh, this uh, rapper guy.
0: Timbaland, yeah. Uh, yeah, produced the album, and it was some negativity. Yeah, he took it. a lot of crap for it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Hmm. Who, who get it and people who don't get it, and and that's sort of simple. You know, and there's no defending it. It's not like I'm trying to get someone who only likes guitar rock to um, to change their uh, their taste. That's right. that's not. Uh, that's not my mission here. Um, you know, in, in terms of making the album, for me, it was very much, it was very similar to doing something like Temple of the Dog or Audio Slave. It was like, I don't know what the result is going to be. It's different than what I'm used to doing. Um, and now it seems like a great time to go and experiment with something different and have fun and make a make an album that doesn't sound like anything else I've ever done. You've earned um, the right. And that's what I did here. Do you think
0: he's ac- he accomplished that?
1: I think he did, yeah. I mean, at that point, you're like, I want to do something different. I'm, you know, he was only the singer of Soundgarden and audio slave and, you know, he he could pretty much do whatever he wanted to at that time.
2: You know, it's a, the, a lot of, a lot of people really love it. And, and so it's, you know, obviously it's sort of turned some people off that are hardcore rock fans. Um, and I'm, you know, I don't judge them for that either. I totally get it. It's right. like, you know, it, there are a lot of there are a lot of records that I hate that were made by people who are who I'm a huge fan of. You know, it's just it just depends on on what you like or don't like. But one, one thing I do think about this album is that. Um, I'm obviously a rock fan. I'm a fan of a lot of different kinds of music. But if you if you just sit back and listen to this album from beginning to end, and, and as opposed to just like listening to a song here or there, and kind of forget about the the sort of genre rules and, and the genre mixing part of it, and just listen to it for what it is, uh, most of the people that I know that have done that have ended up like loving this album, and it's been become one of their favorite albums. Hmm. All
1: right, uh, Chris is going to play it all tonight. Soundgarden. Audio slave, Temple the dog. I saw a set list. Uh, a listener sent me one. Do you even, uh-huh. did you throw in some Zeppelin the other night?
2: Yeah, I've been. I I, I do that occasionally. Yeah, yeah. so I've, uh, I've heard get, him do
1: Thank You before. Yeah, yeah he's yeah he can. He can do it all
0: getting back to that scream album isn't that uh wasn't there some controversy cuz Justin Timberlake also may have sung
1: on that or something I don't know if maybe you're getting that some... confused with Timbaland <clears throat> I don't know maybe. but he he was the one that produced it yeah. Timbaland mm-hmm. and you know pops being the great place that it is you know our hockey team uh-huh. is facing elimination tonight in the first round of the playoffs against Vancouver how about uh, that yeah, it's old time yeah, buddy night. we're ready to win the cup hopefully yeah really and they're playing at home tonight at Scott Trade so pops is a real bar, Chris. I mean, mm-hmm. you're playing at a bar tonight that right. has flat screens, TV, flat screens, and so it's going to be great to watch you and then look over my shoulder.
2: Oh, because the game's going to be going at the same time. Game will be going. Will on I the same be able time. to see it?
1: Yeah, you might be. Sometimes able to.
2: Sometimes the, with the stage sightlines, yeah, you can see that kind of thing. You, you might be
1: able to. Yeah. So cool. It's going to be a great night tonight. Uh, thanks for coming in, man. My pleasure. Continued success. Thank you. Hope very you come much. back next time too. All right, we're going to play uh, "Long Gone." This is Chris Cornell's new one. It's K C ninety five. All right, is that the end? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's
0: it. Well, there you go. Nice interview, man. To be able to, be able to have him come in there and uh, spend as much time as he did too, uninterrupted by any. Well, you played a couple songs, but yeah. but uh, wow, for him to really want to give of himself that much, he really did. It, it was yeah. He could have, like you say, he didn't have to be there at all. Period. And then he shows up and he and he just you know just throws it all out there took a picture with him too
1: and and that's one of my most prized possessions and probably pull it up here uh post it again i I don't know it was uh you know back when i moved out my when i moved out i was 26 years old and the the records that i listened to all the time was super unknown and Mm -hmm. 10 from pearl jam and so you know to then years later to have him you know more 15 years later come on my show and be the kind of guy that he was was just really really neat yeah yeah
0: Yeah. to to be around people that you never thought in your life you'd ever meet
1: right you know yeah Uh, i never thought chris cornell would be in the studio it's like you know thinking like eddie vetter would never be in the studio could he do it one day you never know probably not but if i would have thought the same thing about chris cornell
0: If I had that kind of celebrity and success in my life, I would do that kind of stuff all the time. Why not give people who are out there as many a thrills thrill. as yeah. you possibly can? You know, like uh, John Hamm going to the hockey game right. last night and yeah. hanging out with people out there and taking pictures of a bunch of people. Why not enjoy your celebrity? You know, right. you right. earned it. You worked hard for right. that kind of respect from other people. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. And yeah. he apparently was, at least at that point, he seemed to be, but we all know what the ending was, and that doesn't make sense. Yeah, does really it? sad. It really, makes no sense.
1: so I, I think about it now, and it's the one artist that has you know passed away in the music field even you know tom petty i mean you can think about but that one really hit me hard yeah. you know so all right that's it episode
0: 35 chris cornell casey tapes i'm john eulett you can follow me on twitter uh, at stl you man and on instagram i'm johnny eulett
1: and instagram twitter casey guy uh, facebook casey 95 favaz adios, adios my friend That was pretty good. That was beautiful. The KC Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of KC, go to KC95.com or the KC mobile app. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors.
0: We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.
1: You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of.